it's not that you fully take control of these emotions, but that through that awareness, that self-awareness and understanding, you start to find that you can react differently in a positive way. Hello there and welcome to Mental Health at Work, the podcast where company leaders and employees reveal the mental health stories that shaped how they think about work and themselves. This week it's Leah Boyland, co-founder of Talent Shake, who shares how she builds more compassionate company cultures by being open about periods at work, how she approaches the challenges of motherhood as a working parent, and how a tragic experience with a friend helped her keep her life on track. Heads up for listeners, this episode features brief discussion of a tragedy involving drugs. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Oliva, the mental well-being platform and partner for companies that can't afford to compromise when it comes to their people. If you'd like to learn more about how Oliva can support both your team and your business, Find us at oliva.health. That's O-L-I-V-A dot health. Okay, let's get on with the episode. Hi, Leah. Welcome to Mental Health at work podcast. I'm very excited to have you here today. How are you doing and feeling today? Yeah, not too bad. Ironically enough, it's my <laughs> first day of my PMSing week, so it can always be a little bit up and down. <laughs> uh-huh. Tell me more about that. What how how do you experience that? Basically at the at the beginning it can be I can just be a little bit more scatterbrained. So I'm not quite on top of like my brain is not as sharp as usual. And then the emotions can go a little bit up and down and the mood swings. So even just like a simple thing, like taking my daughter to a music class today and taking the wrong turn and getting really lost. <laughs> but um, because I knew I was PMSing, it was really nice because I didn't get stressed. I was like, that's okay. You can be like, I would love to come back to this a bit later because I know that you are all about bringing awareness and very contacting with all this, especially at work. So I would love to dig in a little bit more, but I would love to start by introducing yourself a little bit so everyone knows who you are. Sure. Um, So my background, I studied law just to torture myself for five years. (laughs) And then after that, I just I jumped straight into the startup world. And so that was like just uh, nearly coming up to 10 years ago. So since then, I've been in and out of the startup world. I've worked in scale-ups, corporates, um, and it's always been around uh, some sort of uh, role like engaging with people and recruitment. And this is what brings me to where I am now. And I'm just starting to build my business with my husband. We're literally a couple of weeks in building our MVP. And we're basically, we want to make a tool so that we can help people to become top performers instead of hard workers. How they'll be able to do that is through an AI powered tool where they can conduct self audits of their day to day tasks and meetings so that they can get a bigger picture of where they're spending their time and make smarter decisions and take a little bit more control. How is that switch? While I was studying law, I entered this competition called the Bold Ideas Award um, and it was with law firm. 
and you come up with an idea at, for a specific question and their question that particular year was how can you get more law students engaged and being able to do work with them uh, as interns and I came up with this idea where they could do remote internships that's like what nearly 10 years ago so that was something that was quite like wow remote internships what's that so then I discovered entrepreneurship and that you can actually take an idea and try and turn it into a business so that's what ended up happening and I realized that as much as I really respect the profession as lawyers I don't think it was really a fit for me from a personal perspective and I realized that when I yeah discovered entrepreneurship I was like wow this is this is this is me like <laughs> you know that you have a very interesting story around your childhood how you were raised so I'm, I'm very curious about hearing about it. My mother and father met in Berlin in the 80s. So this was just actually just before the wall came down. So it was like a whole different world, right? So it was the West Side. My mom came from New York, a chef, and met my father, who was in a band called the Noise Boys, punks at the time. Then my mom went more down the hippie route and just decided that, yeah, we would move to Ireland because she wanted to homeschool us. And we lived with the hippie community. Um, so it was definitely a, a different type of upbringing. Nobody had normal houses. We like lived in like caravans and converted buses. And I didn't actually have like a running toilet <laughs> and a proper house until I was about 11 years old. So it was all very like living in nature and whatnot. So as a kid, I mean, it was fun. You know, you could just run around the fields and, and be quite free. But definitely a different experience. And then uh, just to briefly say, we went to Australia when I was about 12 and we traveled through the desert with this group of people and they were just trying to bring everyone together. So we were actually meeting with uh, local Aborigines and we were educating them and showing them different things. So unfortunately, a lot of Aborigines would be um, taking petrol at that time because they couldn't get alcohol. And because they were so suppressed in, in society at that time in Australia, and it was very difficult. So we would show them how to grow marijuana, for example, because this was a natural, healthier alternative instead of taking petrol. So it was pretty crazy. We were like a group of people out of Mad Max or something. So definitely not the usual experience, but um, yeah, pretty interesting. I think that's what's shaped me today of just being very open-minded around people and diversity and that everybody belongs at the end of the day doesn't matter who you are where you come from i'm making an assumption here but i guess that living in a community and way of living that it was very community driven i'm guessing the sense of belonging is very important to you yeah i think what shaped me the most was for sure the experiences i had it was difficult at times you know there were this community there was a lot of drug abuse and alcoholism so there was definitely challenges from that perspective. So I think it has really shaped me because I feel super proud of where I am right now, right? Because a lot of people get stuck in that way of living and it can really hold you back having those bad habits. So I think it's definitely that's shaped me and my mom and my dad and they, they've shaped me, given me a lot of my values around inclusion. We always had someone random coming over at Christmas dinner because we didn't want to leave people by themselves. That was nice, you know, that openness. How was it for you, the change from living in a community, living in a certain way to going out of that and experiencing different, you were saying like homeschooling and then introducing yourself into a society where that is not the common thing. How was that experience for you? Yeah, it's definitely hard. Like at the beginning, you feel like an outsider, 
like you really don't feel like you belong, like you're a fraud. And it's like thinking that people might even know that I'm a fraud. And, and even when I was studying law, there was this awful situation where my best friend, she actually ended up dying from a heart attack because she took half an ecstasy pill that I that I shared with her. Um, we were really young. We were in our early 20s and we were at a music festival. And this was then splashed all over the news. And I didn't realize this was going to happen. My name, pictures of my face, everything. And I remember going to college and just being like, oh my God, this is awful. You know, everyone's going to think I'm this disgusting person, you know, because I did this. I took a drug and that's a terrible thing to do. That's not what people do in, in normal society. So making that transition was really difficult, but I think that was the breaking point. You know, that's when I really decided that way of living is not something that's healthy and that's good for you. So it helped me to step away and then kind of ease into the rest of society and actually become a part of it. I'm curious to hear how it was that period you were saying that it was very difficult you're explaining like very hard things like seeing your face and a, a lot of emotions I was hearing like guilt and worry and fear I remember having paranoia when I was even just going to class thinking like oh god who knows about it in my classroom and you know what are they going to think of me and I remember I contacted Google I contacted all the newspapers to just take it away and take it down And it even creeped up again not that long ago, so about five years ago. But then I think at that point I realized, hey, I shouldn't be ashamed of this. This is actually something that I should share because there's probably a lot of people who have experienced something similar. And I think what really helped me is that when I met my friend's mother, she said to me, which was very powerful, she said, hey, Leah, I'm so proud of you and what you're doing. You know, you're studying law. That's crazy. And she said, if, if this has made your life better, if this has been able to turn things around for you and that you're able to move forward, that's that's enough for me and it gives me comfort because then my daughter's life's not for nothing. How do you feel talking about it? Yeah, very emotional. <laughs> I think when you don't talk about something for so long, you kind of forget about it, right? That's what really helped me then to move forward and realize, well, this is a gift I've been given. When you were talking about her mother, I was feeling almost like that comment, like, free you. Pretty incredible. Like that must take so much strength to be able to see the positivity in such a dark moment for someone's life. You were saying just now that you are emotional talking. What what is that emotion? I think to some degree it's a form of release in a way. Because when you <clears throat> when you're so ashamed of something that's happened that's not even necessarily your fault, you kind of bottle it. <laughs> You bottle it up, don't you? You don't talk about it. What was the cost for you to share? I realize now it's 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 actually, it's, it's a good thing. Previously, I would have thought that people wouldn't want to give me a job or people wouldn't want to engage with me or interact with me because there would be this negative view or I think maybe that's part of what drove me to entrepreneurship and away from the legal world is because in entrepreneurs are open, right? They're people, they're taking real life problems and, and, and turning into something that can actually help people. So I know now it's okay to be, so it's okay to be open. I'm hearing that you were scared or your biggest fear was not to be accepted, perhaps in an environment where it's more like, like low and more less open-minded, let's say. You would feel like 
acceptance and love and openness will be more difficult than in other environments and that you are finding this new environment, a place where you feel accepted. And I think even just society today, I mean, we've become, we've come so far in the last 10 years. It's, you see more and more people like sharing their stories on LinkedIn about the difficult backgrounds they came from and people applauding them and, and saying, hey, good for you. What resources did you use to turn this around? Apart, you were saying that your mother's almost like blessing or acceptance, it had a big impact on you. What other things worked for you to make this like a turning point? I think just getting really stuck into my studies. I just drove ahead and got stuck into my studies. So I've never actually used any resources or done anything about this. I've had, of course, I've had counseling for various topics, but I've never actually looked into this situation, if I'm totally honest. I just dug my head right into the books. <laughs> would you like to? I need to. What would be your expectation? I don't know exactly, but I think just like how I worked with the PMSing situation, it's not that you fully take control of these emotions, but that, that through that awareness, that self-awareness and understanding, you start to find that you can react differently in a positive way. And so I definitely think that that can be repeated by working on the trauma and just because we're, we're so complex as humans, right? We've got so much going on that sometimes we don't even realize what and why and when you can kind of, I don't know, dig in a little bit more and realize, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is why I'm feeling it. it you feel very powerful and a lot better. You feel it more in control, I guess, in a sense. For those people who are not very familiar, can you like elaborate what it is? Um, PMS is pre-menstrual stress or it can be post-menstrual stress. So usually before or after. And I know that like from watching my mother suffer through it for years and myself and even talking to friends, we oftentimes don't even realize we're like, oh my God, we're so stressed. We're having a shitty week. Everything's annoying. Everything's at me. And then we get our period and we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. That's why I'm feeling like this. So what did you learn and how did you work on it, um, creating awareness? I think um, the tipping point for me was my mother passing away. So that was that was a tough situation. And Afterwards, you know, you go through the grieving cycle and you get to a point where you have the feeling of anger. And I'd had my daughter as well. And having this little person in front of you, you're like, all of a sudden you realize, wow, I really need to look after myself if I want to be able to show up for this person, this little person who you're their whole world. And I think that was the tipping point for me and where I really realized, wow, you know, I need to do something about this instead of just same thing every month, feeling stressed and angry and uh, outbursts at my poor husband. <laughs> even some people at work, you know, without realizing it. I think I, in my communication style, I might have even been passive aggressive at times. And I just got to a point where I was like, whoa, when people behave certain ways around us, it's actually mirroring how, you know, the energies and the behaviors that we're giving out. And that's when I realized, yeah, that's something here that I need to change in myself. And I started to become a lot more aware of the fact that I was PMSing and, and what am I going to do about this? I was wondering, because at the beginning you mentioned your mother, so I was wondering if her 
experience with pre and post periods? How was it and how did you live it as a kid? Yeah, it was really hard because she obviously probably had no idea like what it was, right? She just was like, oh, I have my period coming or my period is happening this week, guys. Like, give me space. <laughs> But yeah, like I remember she had big mood swings and she would get quite angry. And it's not that she necessarily like put it towards us. I mean, she's a fantastic mother, but I could really see that she was struggling. And I think that for me, when I was reflecting, I was like, wow, you know, that was so tough for her. And I definitely don't want to go through that myself as well. And especially for my for my daughter. It's interesting how you say that that was tough for her, your mother, and then how you do the link with your daughter. And I'm surprised that it's almost like you avoid the contacting how tough that was for you. True. Yes. And it was tough. It's really difficult as a child to see any of your parents suffering. I mean, they're human beings, right? Of course, they're going to have up and down moments. But when you see them for like a whole week, every month, just like everything They're just on edge constantly. It's not easy. What did you feel? Definitely some confusion. Like, what is going on? What's happening with you? Like, why are you like this? And then at the same time as well, you'd be a little bit like, oh, God, not afraid, like physically, but afraid like, oh, you don't want to piss her off. <laughs> this is the week where leave mom alone. Seeing your expression, it feels like almost like you were scared of just being like you couldn't be yourself and you needed to almost like walking on eggshells. Yeah, for sure. No, it can be. Especially because, yeah, I mean, you're a kid, right? You're learning. And the fact that there was no real explanation, we just knew like, oh, she had her period. Because we, you're able to connect the dots. But yeah, when there's no, no real explanation around it, it's uh, even more confusing. I think being a mother full stop is really hard. It's very intense. Nobody can prepare you for what it is. Um, The child constantly just wants you, you, you. And, and I think this continues no matter what age, right? And I got some great advice the other day, which was that it won't get easier, but you'll get better at doing the job. <laughs> that's like, okay, that's good. I can mentally prepare for this. So that's when I realized I really needed to take control of the situation for me, for everyone around me. So then I just started with a very, very simple thing of, I would just tell my husband and I got a new app that's really amazing because it will actually uh, send me a, a notification to let me know, okay, you're going to start PMSing tomorrow. So as soon as that happens, I say to my husband, okay, PMSing is going to be starting this week. Then he can like start to prepare. But just through that simple act of sharing, it helps so much. And I'll do that every day for the week. If I'm feeling like crap, I'll be like, yeah, feeling pretty shit today. <laughs> Uh, excuse my French. And it just helps so, so much. I did the same with my niece. So she was really, really suffering with this uh, big time. And so I just explained to her like what it is, that it's totally normal. And that like, I think over 90% of women get this. And to start with, even if you can just share with somebody that you trust, as soon as you're starting to feel like crap, just let them know. And her mom came to me. She's like, what did you do? She's so, she's like doing so much better already. So that was, that was really fantastic. So I just look after myself when that's coming up. You know, I don't book any meetings that I know I have to be perhaps a little bit sharper for or where I, you know, have to do not like, you know, fight your corner a little bit or anything like this. I just try to push those things out. So I 
really try to correlate my work calendar with my menstrual calendar. And that one week is all about like, be kind to yourself as much as possible. And it really does make a, a, a huge difference. You were saying you let your partner know, so you prepared. What is that preparation? That preparation is for the fact that I might just randomly like start to want to talk about like a silly topic just before we eat lunch when I'm hungry. And he's like, maybe this is not the right time. Or like simple things like I might not be the person to be able to do bedtime with um, our daughter this evening. Do you know, I need to go off and have some time by myself. So just little things like that. And because he's aware, he'll know then like, yeah, okay, that's that's what she needs. So he'll make sure to to help as much as possible. And then building my own company now, this is 100% something I want to incorporate into the culture. And not only for women, but also for men, like we all have dips throughout the month. And it's so important to be able to have a space where you can communicate that and you can be open. And so like if you can say to your teammates, you know, if you feel comfortable doing that, at least they know like, you know, if you give a bit of a sharp answer on something or a short answer, it's nothing personal just a tough week <laughs> and then we can be a bit more understanding of each other so I, I know that for me that's the type of place I want to build Hey there, Simon from Oliva here If you're a fan of this podcast and if you've listened this far you're at least on your way to becoming one I thought you might be interested to hear about our latest content project here at Oliva It's called Tough Conversations, a content platform for managers and HR folks who want to get those difficult chats with teammates right. Think grief at work, hard to hear feedback, awkward salary chats, all that good stuff. Each of these topics features bite-sized videos from HR and management veterans who've been there, done that, and survived to tell the tale. Signing up to Tough Conversations is 100% free And each month, when a new series drops, we'll let you know via a newsletter. So if you're curious to check it out, you can follow the link in the description for this episode. Okay, plug over. Back to the pod. What piece of advice would you give to someone that is struggling And perhaps they do have a great relationship with their team or their manager, but they have never spoken about this. How do you recommend navigating this difficult conversation? I definitely think it's like, first of all, think about where are you most comfortable communicating this? So some people might be comfortable on a call saying this verbally. Some people might prefer on a private message. But generally speaking, even if you're the shyest person on the team and you're not used to communicating things, you usually have at least one person that you feel that you trust perhaps a little bit more than anybody else. And you'd be surprised. It's super, super scary sharing something that perhaps is quite personal and that's not talked about as much. But as soon as you do, even with just that one person, you could just send a short message. You'll be surprised what a weight that takes off your shoulders. And I think there is actually a psychology behind that. The the fact that you voice how you feel or what you're going through can even just that act alone can help. So maybe even start by sending yourself a message. That could be a good start and go from there and, you know, be kind to yourself. Take one small step at a time. And what about the people receiving that message? 
I mean, you probably know yourself, when you have a group of women working together, you always end up becoming in sync. So more than likely, you're all experiencing the same thing around the same time. So I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just about being open and being understanding. And no matter who you are on the team, if you're the manager or if you're a peer or anything like that, it's just about giving that space to to listen and just be like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm here if you need me. I know sometimes we always want to jump into the like problem solving mode but I think sometimes it's important just to be like whatever you need you need me to help you I'm here we can come together as a team or or yeah or I'm just I'm hearing you I'm hearing you is even sometimes enough right I really like the the advice of like perhaps if you're having a deep important conversation saying like perhaps we can review this in a couple of days or that now is not the right setup and someone protecting and leaving some room for thinking and having a bit of perspective. Yeah, I think so. And then always just that if you need help, let me know. And and I think to be more specific, you know, how's your workload? Like, do you need help with that? You know, do you have something that I know it's not possible in every role, but oftentimes um, you, you can be in a position where you can perhaps give something to someone else on the team if needed and, and just mind your mind yourself in that moment. It's funny that we are talking about this because exactly last week I was a bit like needing my space and my boyfriend, she was like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I was feeling just like overwhelmed and I'm not very regular with my peers. I had no idea and I don't track or anything. So I was like, this, what do you want me to say? If I don't know what I'm feeling, I'm just feeling overwhelmed. So then like two days later, I had my peers like, and then I was thinking, Yes, exactly. Like I always speak when my therapy and she always says, whatever appears is not like out of the blue and due to the period. It's just like the period can magnify a little bit, but it won't bring things that are not there. So I think it's very interesting that approach of like observing what is happening when you're having your period or before or after and not just discarding it like, oh, it's because of my period, but perhaps it's like, this is here, perhaps observing what it is and that's the thing right women have this reputation of like oh but they're just a little bit crazy or they're a little bit too emotional or da 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 like I know we're getting a lot better like now right this is more history that I'm talking about but yeah when you can actually like I remember when I first explained it to my husband I just explained the whole thing I was like periods it's a you know it's a biological thing it's your body it's your hormones it's not something that you can necessarily control and when I explained all that he was like Oh, wow. <laughs> that makes so, so much sense. It's really crazy that in like basic education, many times we don't get to learn all this. Yeah. But I like what you were saying about taking it one step further and looking at kind of analyzing the emotions and being like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> Another perspective that I would like to explore is um, what advice would you give? to employers to make this topic more normalized, to make people feel more comfortable expressing these kind of things? Yeah, I definitely think that there needs to um, be some policies put in place around this. So depending what your job is, I know it's different, right? Some jobs you need to physically show up, but um, for sure, putting policies around, um, around this and not only around when you have your actual period, but being aware of the fact that 
there might be an impact that week before or that week after. Um, and yeah, just putting a simple policy around that and being like, hey, if you're really stressed or you're under a lot of pressure, you know, creating a space where people can feel comfortable to be able to communicate that. I definitely think there needs to be um, some big educational pieces around this. And this is exactly what you guys are doing, right, at, at Olivia, which is so important. And again, not only for women with PMSing and periods, uh, but also for, for men. And I think that when companies can get that balance right around the policies so that people feel comfortable to be able to look after themselves in the workplace, but then uh, matching that with some education, that could be so helpful. I mean, just imagine like the young 21-year-old guy that probably has no idea about periods and PMSing, but hey, watch this 20-second video even just to understand and then be like, oh, okay, that's why my female manager is really stressed some weeks. <laughs> and then we start to enter a workplace of where we're all more compassionate, right? And I really believe that emotional intelligence is something that you can learn and that you can build on. And through these policies and educational materials, all of a sudden you can have a much more compassionate workforce and a better culture and better results in the end, right? <laughs> but was it always easy for you to express it? Or were you thinking like, this is like difficult? Because now you sound very confident, right? I think I've always been a little bit of a feminist. My mom was like through and through strong feminist. <laughs> She taught me a lot about the struggles of girlhood, womanhood throughout the whole process and the problems that we've had in society. And so I think because of that inner feminist in me, I'm just, I'm not afraid. I, originally, yeah, I would have, I would have been previously, I would have just not talked about it and just got on, got on with it. You know, I wouldn't have really thought about it. Um, I guess like many women or even many people suffering with mental health because of that stigma that's attached around it. But I'm at a point in my life where I really don't care what the re reaction is because it's good for me. And I know it's good for anyone that might just happen to hear that, that could be struggling as well. And I think that's what gives me the confidence just to speak it openly. I love how we are approaching this and how you are, your power and your, your comfortableness with, with the topic and you're empowering other people to do the same thing. And I even loved what you said, like, if this is difficult for you, find that one person that you're comfortable with and that slowly will bring more confidence. And I loved everything you shared with me. It was very nice to see you as a whole person with all your emotion and I really appreciate your openness thank you so much I know I wasn't expecting some of that but that's good right <laughs> thank you so much for your time it was lovely talking to you and I learned a lot so thank you so much for for your time lovely take care you too bye-bye This episode of Mental Health at Work was hosted by Maite Otero, produced by Billy Cragen, and brought to you by Oliva. Proper mental health support for the whole team. Thanks to Leah for sharing her story and for reminding us that while parenthood doesn't get any easier, you do at least get better at it. If you're a fan of the podcast, you can like or subscribe to Mental Health at Work in all the usual places. And if you really want to help us beat the podcast search engine algorithms, 
you can also leave us a review on Apple or Spotify, preferably a positive one. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.